This episode is brought to you by Pooptronic Cellular, the galaxy's leader in outer space mobile service. Welcome to the Pooptronic Cellular Half Hour Pop Culture Podcast, recorded live at Pooptronic Cellular Moonbase Alpha, featuring your host, employee 23538 Gamma, IC Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It is me again, IC Robots. I'm not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less weak. And this week, I think it's going to get a lot less weak. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to talk about a, uh, a movie I saw on video on demand called Maggie. It has uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and some zombies in it. Then we're going to do some uh, who's who in the DC universe about the calculator. You might have seen him recently on uh, The Arrow. He is Felicity Smoke's father. Anyway, check it out, man. My dude Iceberg is back from that holographic Beatle concert that he and AB went to. uh... Hey, man, what's going on, Iceberg? How was it? It was okay. The holograms were out of sync. You always say holograms so weird. So the holograms were out of sync? John Lennon was dancing too fast. He looked like he was crumping. Like in that movie Rise you made me watch once. So, uh, John Lennon was crumping. I, that, that could be funny, I guess. It was very off-putting. So, the tech, you know, the tech wasn't up to snuff, but, uh, you know, what did you, what did you think overall? Overall, I was disappointed. The Beatles' music isn't very good. I think there's a lot of people who would disagree with you on that. I thought that they were legends of the genre, the goats as it were. Now, me myself, I'm more of a Led Zepp, Black Sabbath kind of guy, but if you ask most people, they probably, they would probably tell you that the Beatles are the goats or the greatest of all time when it comes down to cutting records in the uh, rock uh, game. Well, I did not feel that. Their music was nothing like I would have thought. Oh yeah, really? What did you think it would sound like? I imagined that they would be more like Kraftwerk or the Yellow Magic Orchestra. Really? You thought they'd be more, uh, you know, electronic style? That's... Really? You thought that? They have beat in their name, but do not pump out beats. You like, uh, Kraftwerk? I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm fully surprised, but... Just the fact that you like anything is a bit surprising. I do like them. That's cool, man. What's your, what's your favorite Kraftwerk song? They have a song called The Robots that I actually enjoy a bit. That is so weird. You actually enjoy something made by human beings. Of course. It would have been better if it was made by actual robots, but I appreciate the feeble effort. I know that you don't really do this as much as you used to, you know, but, uh, you want to spin it for us, man? How about, uh, mix it? You know, mix, uh, throw some robots in there for us right about now. I suppose that I can but only this one's. Yo, in the place to be this is me, Iceberg 13 and this one goes out to my dudes who programmed the Beatles music. If they sounded like this they would be way cooler. Do a better job fool. Robots. 
Robots, and we are here for another fun segment of the show. And this time, we're just kind of no man. We're just gonna uh, shoot the breeze, talk about some stuff, get uh, get some things off my chest, get some things out of my head. Over the course of his career, our man Captain America has quit working for the government. I don't know how many times, two, maybe three, something like that. One time he quit, and he just became the captain. Another time he quit, and he became uh, the nomad. It might have been the might have been the same time. I know not. Anyway, I know that uh, when Cap feels as if the government is going in a direction he doesn't like, he just quits because he's not Captain Government. He's not Captain I Work For The Man. He's Captain America, and he's part of us. And every once in a while, when things aren't going his way, he leaves. He goes out there, he hits the road, gets on his bike, and he, uh, he goes and he sees America, man. He gets in touch. Gets in touch with the common man, the man out there working hard with his hands. You know, he just goes, just goes and sees what's up. You know, he takes temperature of the country. And when he does that, of course, he needs a job just like any of us. And what is, what is Captain America's go-to skill? What can he do? The dude can draw. He's a comic book artist. He's a graphic artist. He is a graphic designer. All those things wrapped up in one. I wonder if when he got the super soldier serum, if his natural uh, art abilities were raised or if this was just something that he could do all along. I'm sure, I'm sure dude had the ability to sketch. He had the ability to draw, but I wonder when they shot it up into him, did it improve? It may have. I would not be surprised. He improved in so many ways. You know, his body got bigger and stronger and faster he got better hand-eye coordination. He got all that stuff. And I think that maybe it does make sense that he became a super artist as well. But at any rate, one of the times that he wasn't working for the man, he got a job working for Marvel Comics. And his job at Marvel was to draw the Captain America comic book. I mean, who better suited, am I right? But uh, it's kind of like... When, uh, when superheroes gotta get jobs, it seems like sometimes they do get jobs involving with their superhero secret identity, like, uh, how Petey Parker, his main gig working for the paper is taking pictures of Spider-Man, because who gets closer, man? I don't know. It, it, it kind of, it, 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 like, it lifts you above suspicion as well. People aren't gonna think that the dude drawing, uh, Captain America is in fact Captain America. Like, let's say... Our boy Rob uh, Leefield is drawing Captain America Heroes Reborn. You're not going to think that he's really Captain America. You're going to be like, dude's a terrible artist. How could he be an awesome superhero? But anyway, one of the times he quit the government, he was working for Marvel. And it got me thinking. It's, it at points now, I don't know if this is in like the current continuity or if this is the current thing. But I do know that at points, Captain America's identity was known. People knew that he was Steve Rogers. And... It does make sense that somebody who has such good PR values, somebody who is so good with the people, somebody who is so beloved, like Captain America, might at times do public appearances. He might do autograph signings. He might do anything of that nature. It seems possible. It seems like if there was a real-life WonderCon or a real-life Comic-Con, that maybe you would get the real-life Captain America to sign, uh, sign comics or do whatever for you. He's a nice guy. He might do it. And I wonder, 
if you waited in line to get Captain America's autograph, you brought a Captain America comic that Steve Rogers drew, and you knew that Steve Rogers was Captain America. When you make it up to the front of the list, do you get that book signed by Steve Rogers? Or do you ask him to sign it Captain America? I don't know which would be the better one. I don't know which one would increase value on the resale market. It could be either one. It might be that the Steve Rogers autograph is more rare. I can definitely see that. I think that most people who went up there would just try to get him to sign, uh, you know, just Captain America on a postcard or Captain America on a picture or whatever. And maybe, maybe you're the rare dude who would ask for the Steve Rogers, the artist autograph. That was like, uh, recently I got to see, uh, Robert England, Freddy Krueger at a, uh, film festival and I got his autograph. And there were people there who brought pictures of him and things of him from other things he'd been in. I remember there was somebody in line who had some things from, uh, V, V, the miniseries where he played a, uh, alien visitor. So... There are always going to be people who go for the rare, rare signature, but, um, I don't know. I do not know which way I would go. I'm thinking I'd probably want the Captain America if it was not a picture, and Steve Rogers if it was on a comic. I wonder how good of an artist he really was. Do you think that when he was working for Marvel, he was kind of a groundbreaking artist, or do you think he was just kind of a rank-and-file guy who didn't want to, uh, didn't want to draw too much attention to him? I could imagine it was like, people would say... Man, I wonder if you've seen some action, Steve, because you have a real nice eye for action scenes. Anyway, just something to think about. Hit me up on Twitter at ICRobots or on Facebook, facebook.com backslash ICRobots, and let me know. If you had a comic, would you have it signed Steve Rogers, or would you have it signed Captain America? And this is assuming the comic is drawn by uh, Steve Rogers. So with all that said... We are going to move into the next segment of the show, which is, of course, at the movies. In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? Critics are calling Maggie one of the creepiest, most original, gutsy, and audacious discoveries of the year. She's probably going to show more signs of aggression and hunger. Arnold Schwarzenegger is fantastic. Quarantine is eight weeks in. It's unlike anything he has done before. Abigail Breslin is magnificent. I will protect you. Maggie, Ready PG-13, starts May 8th. Maggie is a 2015 zombie movie directed by a dude named Harry Hobson. It is Harry Hobson's directorial debut. The movie stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, former governor of my home state, California, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Abigail Breslin. The movie is currently sitting at 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, and here is the basic deal. In this world, when you get bitten by a zombie, it seems as if there's like... Four to eight weeks before you completely turn. And during that time, you convalesce with your family. You stayed home. People take care of you. And then when the time comes, they turn you over to quarantine where they give you a cocktail that uh, doesn't get you buzzed. It gets you dead. And it does seem as if this approach is working. In this world, the outbreak is very widespread, but it doesn't seem like... There are hordes of zombies running everywhere. The quarantine seems to be successful in that 
the population has been drastically lowered, but it's not as if there are zombie herds walking the streets everywhere in the, like in The Walking Dead or in Day of the Dead or in any of the Romero movies. It's just very sad, very bleak. Everywhere they go, the streets are a ghost town. Everything is deserted. Nobody's at work. Things are falling apart, but not in the Walking Dead kind of way. It's just kind of grinding to a, a slow halt. Um, so Abigail Breslin plays Maggie, the title character, and Arnold Schwarzenegger is her father. She's kind of a troubled teen, and at one point she runs away, and during her runaway mission, she gets bit. Um, she gets bit and sent to the hospital. It's a small town. Everybody knows everybody, so when she shows up there... They call her dad who comes to get her. They allow him to take her home even though the normal procedure would be to put her into the quarantine. It's a very small place. Everybody knows each other and everybody seems to like Arnold. His, uh, I think his name was Wade in the movie. So he takes her home and he has to decide what to do. It's him and his wife. Um, the wife is not Maggie's mom. She is her stepmom, so she's not as attached as Arnold. She gets, she gets scared, and he, Arnold has to decide what to do with his daughter. It's like, does he, does he kill her? Does he give her the cocktail? Does he hit her with an axe? It's very dreary, very sad. They get a lot, uh, they get a lot with the moody lighting and with just the way the streets are empty. I felt the movie was effective. I did not think it was a perfect movie, but I did enjoy it. Yes, I did. I, uh, if you like zombie movies, if you're a fan of the zombie movie genre, you might want to check out Maggie. It's not going to be exciting, but it does, it does hit some emotional heartstrings. It is effective in that way. It's not a perfect movie by any means. I think it's that... 53% over on the tomatoes right now, which shows you people are kind of, eh, one out of every two people is going to like it, but I would recommend it in the sense that if you're a zombie guy, if you like zombies, if you don't mind a dreary movie, if you want to see a real, uh, a real interesting performance from Arnold Schwarzenegger, go check it out. It's on video on demand. You can probably find it somewhere to watch it on the internet. I think, uh, I think I paid like $3 to see it on, uh, on the, uh, on demand. So I don't know, man. All you're going to lose is your time, and it wasn't even really that long, so I don't know, man. If you are the kind of guy who digs zombie movies, you might want to check it out. If you don't, then it might not be your thing. I'm going to give it, like, ah, three mics on the good old source meter. And now, with all that said, we are going to move into the main event of the show. Who's who in the DC Universe? The Calculator. Up next, what's sure to be an awesome segment, Who's Who in the DC Comics Universe. You're welcome in advance. Hey, this is me, IC Robots, and we are back for the main event of the show, Who's Who in the DC Universe. But first, we should talk a second about what happened last week. I'm getting some tweets. I got, uh, I got just all sorts of people tweeting me. They're hitting me up on Facebook, and they want to know what happened. What happened after the show went off the air? And I don't, you know, I don't want to talk about it that much because I don't like going over bad news, but... AB gave me a fairly firm talking to. He, uh, he let me know that they want me, uh, you know, the people at the Pooptronics office, they want me to focus on Pooptronics products. They want me to talk about the, uh, CB Cell Radio. They want me to talk about the movies they're working on with Johnny Five and Fisher Stevens. Man, they are wooing those guys like crazy. I, uh, I just found out that Iceberg and AB are going to be going to the X-Men premiere 
and they're taking Johnny Five and Fisher Stevens with them in hopes of getting them into their, uh, their new movie called Time Constables. It's kind of a remake of Time Cop. If by a remake you mean they're just taking somebody else's movie and redoing it again with, uh, uh, Fisher Stevens and a, a, a movie robot. I don't, I don't even know. You know, I don't even know if Johnny Five is a real robot. I don't know if he's remote controlled or what. I know that Iceberg and them do, uh, they have sentience, but I, I don't know about Johnny Five, uh, I've met him a few times, and either he's really aloof, or or there's somebody controlling him, and they don't have the ability to answer specific questions, because I'm just like, I'm asking him questions about the movie, and he's just, I don't know, he's not answering, he's just kind of rolling around, but it might be that he's just snubbing me, but anyway, if you're wondering why, why I haven't spent that much time on Pooptronic stuff, well... Uh, I know that A.B. listens to the show, but I know that for the next few weeks, A.B. is going to be, he's taking some trips. He's traveling around, he's trying to woo some podcasts into coming over to Pooptronics. I think he's going, I think he's going down under to try to negotiate with Action Figure Blues. I don't even know if he has a meeting with him. I just know he's going down there. He's a pretty persistent dude. I know he's still working things out with Ferg over the 2600 Game by Game podcast. He's uh, he's going down to Arcadia to meet with Vic Sage about... He wants to bring retro radio memories and Saturday Frights over to the Pooptronics Network. And I don't even know, man. If I were you guys, I wouldn't do it. It's not the best. But uh, I'm just hoping that... I'm hoping by the time he gets back and he checks out the shows that he missed that, I don't know, maybe things will be different. It's kind of kind of silly of me to even think that. But I have hope. I hope beyond hope that eventually... I'll be able to uh, just do what I want like I used to do back at the show. It's all your fault, Iceberg. Why did you introduce A.B. to the fold? And if you heard that, A.B., I didn't really mean it. You're, you're, you're a great guy. And I do mean that. But what we have right now is a segment that I like to call Who's Who in the DC Universe. Who's Who was an early 80s DC comic that was, uh, was an encyclopedia of all of the characters in the DC Universe. Well, not every single one. Mostly just the main ones and some minor ones. And I was just, I was obsessed with these when I was a kid. I would read them like crazy. My deal was, uh, I liked to take baths when I was younger. And I, I, I would read my who's who's in the bathtub. I was really, uh, I was really cautious about it. I didn't get them wet, but I kept them in there and I would read them while I was having to soak. So anyway, this week we are going to take a look at a character known as the Calculator. You know, you might have seen him. He popped up on... Arrow, he in the TV show is Felicity Smoke's father. In in the comics, he is not so much, and that is what we are going to be looking at today. The calculator in the DC Comics universe. So here we go. I got the issue right here. It is June of 1985, and it goes all the way from the Cadre to Chris KL99. It covers people like uh Camelot 3000, Captain Adam, Captain Boomerang, Captain Carrot, Captain Cold, Captain Comet, Captain Compass. There's a lot of captains here. We got Captain Nazi, Captain Storm, and also uh, the Cheetah in 1 and 2. So you flip into the book, you go to uh, page, page number 3, and you find the Calculator. Now, the Calculator, he was not a major character. He is actually sharing a page with another dude. He's sharing it with uh, Calendar Man. So... Let's see what the issue here can teach us about the calculator. His alter ego is unknown. We will later find that out. That part of it was changed. He does he does reveal his name. His uh his occupation is that of a professional criminal. His marital status is unknown. Known relatives none. Group affiliation none. Base of operations mobile and he first appeared in Detective Comics number 4. 63. He's 5 foot 11, 169 pounds with green hair. 
and red eyes. Let's see about the brief bio here of our guy, the calculator. A mysterious figure who appeared seemingly from nowhere. The calculator moved across the country committing a series of crimes designed to lure various superheroes into battle with them. So what he would do is he went around the country and he got these guys. He'd go to every major character, Batman, Arrow, uh, Speedy, The Flash, you name it. And he would let them beat him up. He would do the job for them because he was recording everything with his calculator suit. And once he was defeated by somebody... This is what he thought. Once he was defeated by somebody, he would have the way to beat them in his computer. His computer would figure out some kind of an algorithm or some kind of a technique or way that he would be able to defeat these people in the future. Now, it didn't work out that great for him because in his second go-rounds, he would usually get knocked out again. So, let's see. Da, 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 da. Oh, it says here, at this writing, the calculator is currently serving three life sentences in the, the penitentiary. Penitentiary. How do you even... In the jail. In the clink. In the hole. So, that's the flaw in the plan. If you let these guys beat you, you're gonna get arrested, you're gonna get thrown in the pokey, and that'll be that. I don't know... I don't know if it was the best. Let's see what kind of powers and weapons our boy the calculator has. One thing he does have is an awesome purple super suit. He has an awesome purple super suit with some white accents, some belts down the legs, across the shoulders, and uh, right in the middle of his chest is, it's a calculator. It has buttons. You can push it, I guess. I guess you could stand in the mirror, look at it, and do equations. I don't even know. It's kind of a weird placement. On his head, he has like a helmet with a some sort of a projector type device that we will soon learn about. Powers and weapons of the calculator. A mathematical wizard, the calculator wears a computer terminal on his chest capable of accurately predicting the actions of any superhero or even the Earth itself. I don't know what that means. That seems, that seems like the big power right there. Like, sometimes they'll sneak something in and eventually they might use it to some way as far as their powers and, uh, the ability to predict the Earth itself. There has to be something there that would turn out huge. Just too big. Let's see what else we got here. Okay, the projector on his helmet is linked to his chest computer and it's capable of creating an infinite variety of items by solidifying the dust in the air. Hmm, that's something. I've read somewhere that like most of the dust around your house is really like pet dander and uh, skin flakes that have fallen off you. So what he is doing is he can solidify those uh, skin flakes and turn them into giant fists, fans, baseball bats, maces, uh... Uh, bowling balls inside of giant socks. He could put, like, he could make a toaster inside of a blanket out of dust and crack you upside the head with it. That would really be something. So that is the calculator in the DC universe. It appears he had one go round with everybody and then in the clink. Uh, eventually things did change for him and we will be back in one second and we'll take a look at how he is presently. This is going outside of the who's who here, but I do think it's worth looking at because... This was a really brief entry. He's sharing the page with Calendar Man. Calendar Man's pretty dope too, man. It says he does, like, calendar-related crimes. Like, I don't even know. Like, on uh, the 4th of July, he would try to, like, steal the uh, Constitution or some other kind of patriotic idea. I don't, I don't even know. Anyway, we will be back in one sec with more about the calculator. Got any dirty videos? Bet you haven't seen this. The Scotch Video Head Cleaner. It cleans up dirty pictures caused by dirty video recording heads. Oh, glory. Look at that bone structure. 
that is a pretty weird commercial. They sort of imply that if you rent adult videos that your heads will get dirty, your VCR's heads. That, that might be true. Uh, the When I worked at the video store, you kind of learned that the adult videos are lower quality videotapes and they do... Uh, they do tend to muck up your VCR, plus people don't treat them right, and the tape gets crinkled. Oh, they were really just poor quality video. Also, in that commercial, the dude narrating it, the host, is a skeleton. So, I don't know. Sort of weird. Anyway, we are back, and we are going to take a look at the, uh, the modern incarnation of the calculator. Let me, I got some notes. Hold on one sec. All right, I am back. Man, I could not get that paper off the floor. It was just like, it was flat and it seemed stuck. I was actually gone for like 30 seconds. I cut that time out. You would have heard me moaning on just trying to reach it going, ugh. Anyhow, what do we know about the modern incarnation of the calculator? While he was in prison, they ascertained his secret identity. His name is Noah Cutler. And while he was in the clink, serving out all these consecutive life sentences, he heard talk of somebody known as... Oracle, somebody who was behind the scenes providing information to heroes about villains' whereabouts, layouts of buildings, just anything that she could find on the computer that would be useful. Now, one thing we know is that Oracle is Barbara Gordon. She is Batgirl. In a previous life, she was the person that we know and love as Batgirl, and then later she becomes Oracle when, after she is shot by the Joker. So, Cutler's inside the clink, and he hears mention of this person called Oracle, and he thinks, you know what? I'm going to do that. When I get out, I'm not going to go around in a purple suit anymore. I'm going to chill. I'm going to get a bunch of computers. I'm going to get the internet. I'm going to get a high-speed uh, high cable and all that stuff. And I am going to become the Oracle of the Underworld. And for a time being, he is fairly successful at it. He finds out where things are, and he helps people break in to steal them. You know, he, I don't know, he uses his computer to break locks. He sends people, uh the maps of the buildings, just anything that he can do to help out in that way he does. But he does it for a price. He's not like Oracle. Oracle does it for free, does it out of the goodness of her heart. Noah Cutler, he does it for the bank. He always wants a cut of the profit. Which, you know, it does make sense because he's a criminal. He's not doing it out of a charity. Okay, so he's appeared in the comics and he's also appeared on the CW network on The Arrow. I think he's been on twice, maybe three times, but I'm thinking more like twice. He is... Felicity Smokes, a dad, he's a computer hacker cracker kind of guy, super genius just like her, but he is a criminal, he embezzles funds, he steals tech, he does all sorts of stuff, she's ashamed of him, blah blah blah, right now he's helping them out with, uh, with something, I don't want to give away the spoilers or anything, but he's helping out, he's not fully a good guy, but he is willing to do the good sometimes when his daughter is involved. On the show, he's played by an actor named uh, Tom Amandez. I know Tom Amandez from a show called Everwood that I used to watch on the WB network. Sometimes I miss the WB. I don't know if you feel that way, but I do sometimes miss the WB, but I like to see W better. Anyway, so Tom Amandez was on a show called Everwood, which was about a, uh, Single parent and son, a single father and son who moved to this town called Everwoods. And while they're there, they befriend some neighbors. And the neighbors are played by, you got Tom Amandez. Then you have Chris Pratt was their son, Bright. And then there was Emily Van Camp, whose name I can't remember on the show. So of those three, Tom Amandez becomes a calculator on the CW Network. Chris Pratt, as you know, is Star-Lord, and Emily Van Camp is Sharon Carter in the Captain America universe. So, they're doing great. The guy who was kind of the star of the show, the kid who played Ephraim, I think he wound up on a program called Rookie Blue. 
with Missy Peregram. I've never seen it. I might have seen one or two, but uh, I think it's actually in syndication now. I don't know if it's on first run anymore. It's just interesting. All of the neighbors are now superheroes or villains. You would not have you would not have thought uh, Tom Amandes or Emily Van Camp would wind up being super characters, but I really do like Emily Van Camp. She's one of my favorite actresses. I'm very fond of her because of that program, and it was kind of cool to see her in Civil War throwing some K1 level high kicks and whatever. But anyhow, on the show, Felicity Smoke is his daughter. Felicity Smoke in the comic is not his daughter. It's kind of interesting in, in sort of a way. She first appeared in uh, Fury of Firestorm number 23. And at the time, she was an adversary of Firestorm. But eventually, she marries Ronnie Raymond. That's the Firestorm in the comics at the time. She marries Ron- Ronnie Raymond's father, Edward Raymond's, and she becomes Firestorm's stepmom. In the comics, Felicity Smoke is Firestorm's stepmom. That's kind of, I don't know, just kind of cool. Anyway, if you go on eBay and you are interested in getting the first appearance of the calculator, it was uh, Detective Comics. I'm reaching down here because I can't remember the number. It is Detective Comics number 463. Yes, 463. I just looked it up on eBay, and you can pick one up. I saw one for $2.99. I might actually go get that myself. It's kind of kind of cheap. In the normal, uh, normally you're gonna pay maybe anywhere from twelve to fifteen, maybe as high as nineteen dollars for like a super mint copy. But it's interesting enough that on the cover they are touting the debut of somebody named the Black Spider, not the Calculator. The Calculator was only an overthought, even in his debut. I wonder what happened in that comic. Batman had to fight two guys in the same issue. Two new jacks, two rookies. That's cool. Uh, so that's about it, man. I can't imagine that you would want to know any more about the uh, calculator than that. There's not much more than that, anyhow. So let's move into the final segment of the show: the Pooptronic Sailor uh, pop culture and TV news moment. I I can never get it right. Anyway, let's move into that. Make sure to visit virtualdirtmall.com and support the show with a generous purchase of some retro or not-so-retro junk. He won't be sorry for long. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment. The Pooptronic Cellular Pop Culture Slash Toy News Informational Moment. All right, we are back for the final bit of the show, and dig this. We got a new patron this week. His name is Ron Nelson. Ron's a cool guy. I know him off, uh, I know him from Twitter. I know him on Facebook. He runs a cool group called 60s and 70s Memories. Just go to Facebook, search that. You'll find it. It's a big group. It's the first thing that pops up. It's fun. Just hop on over, ask to join. Ron, I want to give it up to you from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate, I appreciate your generous donation. It's great. You're a dope guy. You always retweet my tweets, and I appreciate that, too. Anyway, this week is the week. This is it. This is the week I am going to drop the special QZAR laser tag episode for patrons only. I just finished it. It's fantastic. It's an hour of just all my favorite QZAR stories. There are stories of celebrity sightings about the time I played laser tag with a famous underground comic book artist. There are stories about how we would take the stuff outside the arena and play in different locations. It is a great episode and it is available only to patrons. This episode that you are listening to right now comes out on Wednesday of the week, and the QZAR episode will be coming out on Friday, trust me, you want to get down with this, it's great, if you enjoy this show, 
You're going to love that one. It is an hour. It's twice as long. Therefore, twice as fun. So go to supportthereport.com and see how you can get into this. It's easy, man. You can give as little as a dollar and you will get access to the special QZAR episode. Dare I say, the greatest episode of all of the times. For a dollar, you can have it. You can also get all my back episodes of uh, Icy Robots Radio. That's my hip-hop mixtape show. Been doing that for a long time now, and we're about on episode number four. You can get access to all those. And I hear, I hear a talk around the cafeteria that Iceberg and AB might be planning on doing their own show over there on supportthereport.com. So, please, consider hopping over there and becoming a show patron. So, let's see what we got in the world of pop culture news. I hear talk of a Fantastic Four sequel, and I gotta say, man... I think they should do it. I think they should do it. Uh, the first movie, it wasn't great. It was very flawed. Very, very flawed. But one thing that it did have going for it is that it had great cast. You got Miles Teller, who is, to me, a very unlikable person. And in that sense, he's perfect to play Reed Richards, who is a genius and seems highly unlikable. Then you got Kate Mara. The I, I'm more of a Rooney Mara guy, but Kate is... Dynamite. Kate is dynamite. She's great in everything. You could not ask for a better Sue Storm. You got uh, Michael B. Jordan, who's great in everything he is in. The dude's a super talent. He is a fountain of charisma. You got him as the Human Torch. And then you got Jamie Bell, man. Jamie Bell is great. I've been down with that guy since uh, Billy Madison. Dude is a talent. It could be a very good movie if put into the right hands. No, I don't know who that is. But with that cast... You should be able to make something good. Just go back, read some Fantastic Four comics, get some graphic novels, and steal the plot from one of those. It's all there. It's all available to you. Just just read it and do it. It should be easy peasy, right? Easy peasy mac and cheesy. And uh, the X-Men movie comes out next week. I'm really looking forward to that. On the next episode of uh, the Pooptronic Sailor Half Hour Pop Culture Podcast, you will get to hear all about that. And I've been thinking... Uh, Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones, she's Sansa Stark, is Jean Grey. And Jean Grey is a giant character in the X-Men mythos. And Sansa Stark is a giant character in the Game of Thrones mythos. In the future, do you think that Sophie Turner will be more known for being Sansa Stark or more known for being Jean Grey? Time will tell. I'm kind of thinking she'll probably be more known for being Sansa Stark. I think Game of Thrones reaches more people of a... Like a variety of different types of people. Everybody likes Game of Thrones. And everybody likes X-Men too. But I just think that Game of Thrones will be held in higher regard historically than the X-Men movies will. But hey man, I don't know. If they pop out a bunch of these and they're all successful, it might be that they reach a wider audience. It's just movies of this sort are bigger than cable TV shows. Who knows? Let's check back in in a while and when we'll figure it out. I'm thinking probably Santa Stark, but that's just me. Anyhow, I was over at the Toys R Us and I saw they're running the sale on the Zootopia toys. I think they have a lot of neat toys in that line. And right now they are buy one, get one 40% off. I'm going to go up and I'm going to pick. I think I need that Meter made one that I was talking about a few episodes back, and I'll probably get 2.0 a couple plushes. She really liked that movie. She liked uh, Max the Fox, voiced by Jason Bateman. But uh, right now, buy one, get one 40. Can't beat that with the baseball bat. Anyhow, my guys, 
we've run a bit long, so we're gonna gonna head for the hills. But don't forget, supportthereport.com. We got the special QZAR episode coming out two days after this one does. You want to get it? It'll make for a great weekend. Just hop on over, become a show patron. You can download it and keep it. It'll be yours. It's easy. You can listen to it on Patreon. You can listen to it on the Patreon mobile site. It's real easy. Or you can download it, put it in whatever you use to listen to stuff. I got an old MP3 player I like. It's uh, by Creative. It's a Creative Jukebox. It weighs about 200 pounds, but I got all my tunes in it. If I were you, I'd put the QZAR episode in it, listen to it while I was walking my dog. But that's just me. Anyway, this is your boy, IC Robot, signing off for uh, Iceberg 13 and to some degree, AB Silver. This is episode 80 of the Pooptronic Cellular Pop Culture Podcast. If you don't know, now you know. Recorded live on the Pooptronic Cellular Moonbase Alpha, this has been a Pooptronic Cellular Broadcast Division production.